podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Competition time again, and here is a chance to win a brand new PS5. All you got to do is subscribe to OnTrack GP on YouTube. Also, follow us on Instagram at OnTrack GP. Make sure you like the competition post, it's pinned on Instagram as well. You can win yourself this right now. What are you waiting for? Can I enter? Or can I have a go? <laughs> no. <laughs> You know, there was a driver in Formula 2 I was helping there last year, um, Jem Bollock-Bassi, and he ended up crashing in uh, in practice. And they took him straight to the medical centre and he got knocked out. And, you know, oh when I God. came in, he couldn't remember where he was or anything. Hello and welcome back to the On Track GP podcast. I'm, I'm Bear with me here, Richard, because I'm thinking about another name. Maybe we could go for the On Track G podcast. Are you getting there? You're on something, I think, there. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're being very kind. Uh, Richard, thank you very much for joining us. Pleasure, uh, race day yesterday. Uh, Richard, of course, Le Mans winner. So it's so nice for us to be able to have some real professional experience uh, on the podcast. So how are you? Not bad at all. Not bad at all. Had a good weekend. Enjoyed a good race. Um, it's actually a really exciting race, to be mm. honest, if you discount Verstappen clearing off into the <laughs> distance again. But the rest of it was mega. Yeah, proper. Um, and I, I love the circuit, the Canada GP circuit. It always throws up uh, some interesting results, which we have had uh, yesterday. And of course, the Wall of Champions, which everybody managed to stay they out of. managed to stay out of. I think it was Gasly got the closest. They had that special camera where they measured it, right? He got 11 centimetres. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a good effort. You yeah, know? that's tight isn't it yeah 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 have you ever you've done the wall of champions i have never driven calendar unfortunately oh, okay. it's one track i really want to drive because yeah. it's a it's a semi-permanent circuit it's actually in a park on a on a man-made okay. island um so no i'd love to drive it but unfortunately only formula one races there at the minute well look, let's run through the formula one uh grid from yesterday as you said to start with verstappen yeah, he's just just a class act i mean not only the race is qualifying as well in such difficult conditions mm-hmm. uh now the start now the pit stops and yeah just i think i think he had it under control to be honest i think even if lewis didn't get past sorry if alonso didn't get passed by lewis at the start i still think that he had enough in the tank to be able to crack on if he needed to yeah and as you said we were chatting before we started uh recording today we basically see Verstappen at the beginning and at the end every week. He's just yeah. having a lovely time. Yeah, exactly. I was uh, I watched it with a mate of mine last night who's good friends with Alex Albon. And uh, we said this is the, Versta- the Albon Grand Prix, you know, 85% yeah. of the footage was on Alex. And all we saw of Max was the start, the pit stop and the finish. Well, we're going to get to Albon in a second mm. because that is unbelievable. But let's go mm. through uh, the next couple of guys. It was fun to see Alonso and Hamilton battling again, right? After the year, rolling back the years. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it was great. And did you see uh, Lewis's little joke? after the race about he got Alonso off the start because uh, Alonso's reactions aren't as fast as they used to be because he's a bit older now. I um, love that. Do you know what I mean? It's so nice to see the old boys yeah, exactly. still at it. We had a little bit of a conversation yesterday. Formula One is one of the sports where you can continue to get better with your age. It's Correct. not somewhere like football where you see to see them start to generally, unless they're a freak like Ronaldo or something, you know, start to drop off at about 33, 34. But Alonso's 42 and he's yeah. doing, having an incredible season. I mean, it's the thing is with, with driving a racing car is compared to something like football or rugby, say, is you don't have any, have much pressure going through your joints. So you don't get the muscle pains or lose that little bit of running speed, which is what happens with footballers. You know, Formula One and racing cars as a whole, the only thing that's going to slow you down is as your reactions deplete. Mm-hmm. Uh, deplete. And so to be honest, yeah, as long as you keep yourself fit enough, you could keep going for a long time. I mean, I don't know, Alonso's 42, but he seems... 
it seems to be just as good as he used to be. I Who mean, wouldn't what, take why, him? Exactly. What team would not take a 42, 3, 4-year-old yeah. Fernando Alonso at the, the, weight, the rate that he's performing? And the, uh, Yeah, and you can't see any stop to it. He just keeps going. I mean, he reminds me almost of, as you say, a Ronaldo or Ibrahimovic, someone mm. like that, you know? Yeah, completely. Uh, Ferrari, I mean, look, I have my head in my hands <laughs> for Friday and Saturday. The whole thing was just an absolute disaster. Um and then mid-race even, I sort of felt myself tearing up as they decided not to pit under the safety car. But their strategy worked. It was actually spot on and they handled it perfectly. I agree. I was looking at it when they didn't pit. I thought, oh, what on earth are you doing? Yeah. Um, but no, they, they absolutely nailed it. And both, both cars drove well. I think Science was probably a little bit annoyed that he wasn't allowed to attack Leclerc. He kept saying, didn't he? I've got a bit yeah. of pace. I've got a bit of pace. <laughs> as if to say, let me go, please. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, he says that. But in the end, Leclerc Leclerc finished a few seconds up the road from him. So maybe he was just saying that at one point when Leclerc wasn't as strong. But yeah. no, for once, they absolutely nailed it. It's interesting because... They must have had some sort of data as if to say, look, these medium tyres, we think they can go longer than maybe everybody else expects. Well, it's very interesting. When you get to a race like this, when you've had a wet practice and wet qualifying, you have something that's referred to as a green track. And that's where you haven't got the rubber that's been put on it through practice, making the trap grippier. So what actually happens is you get more sliding, but because the tyre doesn't grip to the surface as much, it doesn't wear the tyre as much. It overheats the tyre because oh. it's generating friction. So everyone is predicting that uh, they're, they're trying to work out how much wear they're going to have rather than overheating and so to be honest it's a bit of a gamble everyone's a bit blind so Ferrari if the drivers gave good feedback which they obviously did they thought okay we can make this medium work so interesting and they got it as you said they Spot got it on, yeah. for once yeah for once it's like a uh, what do they say a, a, a broken clock's right twice a day <laughs> thank you Ferrari appreciate it uh, look let's get into maybe one of our losers of the weekend Sergio Perez I mean this is now three qualifying sessions back to back that he hasn't made it into Q3. I mean, it was again, the worrying thing for me is, yeah, okay, made up a load of places from where he started and everything. But in the race, he couldn't catch the Ferraris. But the other bigger thing for me, and just to put this stat into perspective, he didn't make Q3 again. Now, Valtteri Bottas, when he was at Mercedes, and this is an unbelievable stat. I only read this at the weekend. I forgot about it. He made a 100% Q3 record in his time at Mercedes. And you think... For what? I know, right? That's, when you think about it, that is mind-blowing. I've got goosebumps, mate. That's <laughs> mental. Exactly. But imagine when you're Lewis and you're fighting Max for the championship and you know you're going to have that rear gunner there consistently all the time. At the minute, Max is on a level where it doesn't seem to matter, but it will change at some point. And so at the minute, okay, Sergio, you know, let's face it, Max looks unstoppable at the minute. But if it's the case where Max is going to need a rear gunner, Sergio needs to up his game yeah. a bit, especially when you've got a lot of other people now who are starting to perform in a seriously heavy way. And let's be honest, Red Bull is the least secure seat on the grid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've seen that yeah. left, right and centre. 100%, 100% Bottas. I know, right? Oh, mate, that is unbelievable. <laughs> Put some respect on that guy, yeah. you know? It's incredible. I mean, but it comes back, and I feel like I have this conversation on, <laughs> on this show all the time. Just do the basics right. Yeah. Just get the car into Q3. Yeah. Just, you don't need to be, oh, man, just, you know, we could have a whole nother conversation about doing the basics right in Formula One. But, but yeah, Perez, I mean, yeah, three in a row now, qualifying sessions, not into Q3. That is not good enough. Let's leave that to the side, <laughs> but go to an, an ex-Red Bull driver who is, frankly, driven out of his skin yesterday and deservedly won driver of the day. 
Alex uh, Albon. I mean, wow. It, what what an unbelievable drive. And as I said, 85% of the TV coverage was on Alex and justifiably so because he was absolutely exceptional. Obviously, he was the only Williams in that weekend with the upgrades. The upgrades, of course, helped him. But still, you could see that he had people behind him who definitely had a pace advantage. And he kept his composure for so long. It was a very mature drive. Everything about it was exemplary. But what's starting to happen with Alex? It's starting to become quite a consistent thing. Mm. We're quite regularly going, oh, wow, Alex. But except for Australia this year, I can't remember a time where we've actually noticed any big mistakes or any big blots on Alex's coffee book. He's starting to look like a serious, serious driver. And you kind of wonder if he has the, what you know, if he had the experience he has now and the mentality he has now, how he would have been in that Red, Red Bull up against Verstappen. Yeah. He's obviously grown as a driver. It's obvious for us all to see. If we assume that the Williams is the slowest car on the grid, he's finished one place behind the quickest car on the grid yeah. yesterday. Remarkable. And the other thing that Alex Albon, like we've talked about it before, um, with when he went to Australia last year and mm. ran however many laps it was and pitted on the last lap, yeah, yeah. put it on the last lap. His tire management is exceptional, and that is yes. that's what got him seventh place yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think he, he did like what fifty three laps on one set of tires. <laughs> I mean, that on a green track that is incredible he's because, meant, as I insane. said, without the rubber, you get overheating massively mm -hmm. uh, because the the tire slides along on the surface. So for him to be able to control that and then not make any mistakes on a track as hard as Canada with the cavalry, the whole army of Formula One drivers behind him, 10 out of 10. Absolutely yeah. stunning. Oh, it's, it's gen genuinely. And, and qualifying was excellent as yeah. well. Yeah, got into Q3. Exactly. In Williams. Yeah, yeah, whole weekend he was exemplary. Stunning weekend. Unfortunately, yeah. if we go to the his teammate, Logan Sargent, it's just not right for him at the moment, is it? It's it's not. And to be honest, I feel a bit I feel a bit gutted because obviously, you know, the retirement wasn't down to him. And no. it might be good for him in a way now. We've got two weeks off and he's seen, you know, obviously Alex's was the only car with the upgrades and he's seen how good the car can be. Mm. So to be honest, if I was Logan, I'd be going into Austria and I'd be like, oh, okay, I've seen that this, this package can work now. It's definitely a stepped improvement. So... And obviously the race wasn't his fault. So I think there's a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel for him. Yeah. Moving down the grid, we had Ocon in eighth, Stroll ninth, who's not doing anywhere near as good no. a job as uh, Fernando Alonso is. I feel like Fernando Alonso is outperforming the car yeah. and Lance Stroll is underperforming the car. I think the car actually probably sits somewhere in the middle of where their general results are. Would you agree with yeah, that? Com you're completely spot on. And you saw how on the limit Alonso was every single lap yesterday. We all saw when he hit the wall. How uh, you know how strong those cars are for nothing to happen yeah. after he hit that? Yeah, you're he so right. He was a lucky, lucky boy. Uh, let's buzz through the next guys. Bottas scraping in for the last point, a uh, big point for Alfa Romeo. To be fair, they needed uh, they needed that. Mm. Tough day for McLaren. Uh, they were started both within the points, but finished 11th and 13th. Piastri 11th and Norris 13th. Do you know what I would say though? One thing which is quite interesting from the McLaren side is there's been quite a clear divide between the two drivers at the start of the season. You're starting to see now these last couple of races. Oscar's starting to show the talent that he proved in the junior categories. Mm. He's starting to close the gap up to Lando. I mean, yesterday, those two were pretty much equal with each other. There was a period in the middle of the race where Lando was a bit faster. But Oscar's starting to show now and starting to get get used to it, shall we say. The rookie yeah. phase is going away. And he'll be happy that he's got a point in the head-to-head -head battle there exactly. against Norris, finishing 11th with Norris in 13th. And we all know how highly rated Norris is as well. Exactly. Uh, one last thing I want to have, or maybe two more things, but mm. one thing I definitely wanted to talk to you about, particularly because you're a professional driver mm. and I imagine you've had a similar situation to this. We saw in qualifying 
a lot of people getting very frustrated mm. at Carlos Sainz, <clears throat> Pierre Gasly, uh, <laughs> because essentially Pierre Gasly's weekend was ruined by mm. Carlos Sainz. Now, Carlos Sainz gets a penalty, three-place grid penalty. I mean, to be honest, I think he was lucky that it was only three places. Yeah. It could have been a lot harsher. But ultimately... That doesn't help Pierre Gasly in any way whatsoever. But it's difficult because we can't guess what time he would have given. So, I mean, have you been in that situation? That must be so difficult. It's incredibly difficult. And the problem is with Formula One cars is because of the the battery energy. They have to recharge the battery to maximum because they need to use the whole battery over a lap. So they can't actually do it consistently like Mm. they do in the race. And that's why you see everybody going so slow. And I tell you now from, from firsthand experience... The mirrors on these cars are terrible. You can you can only see the smallest little bit. And when something is doing 300 plus kilometers an hour, they come into your mirrors really, really, really fast. However, we have on the cars, you have GPS. Yep. You have a very good radio system with repeaters all around the track. So mm-hmm. you can hear the radio perfectly everywhere. You know exactly who's coming and where they're coming. And... You know, he could have moved over. To be in the position he was in, he was only thinking about his own lap. In fairness, he was probably thinking to himself, you know what, If I, even if I get done for impeding, if I get this lap and then get into Q3, then all of a sudden I can then end up being, I don't know, P2, 3, 4. Those, even if I get a three-place penalty, which is the standard penalty for impeding, it will still be better than not getting into Q3. So it's almost understandably selfish. Yes. In a way, I mean, we're racing drivers. When we're in, when, as soon as we put those helmets on, we're the most selfish people on the planet. Yeah, I just felt really sorry for Gasly because yeah. I thought he was going to do something. Oh, ab- he could have done something good this absolutely. weekend. Absolutely. He 100% would have been in Q3. Race pace is pretty decent, but once you're in that midfield train and everybody's a similar speed, it's very hard to do anything. Yeah, last guy to talk about uh, today will be Nico Hulkenberg, who's qualified second perfect timing got mm. shunted back down um to start in fifth but ultimately finishes the race in 15th yeah i mean firstly haas just didn't have the race pace we saw with uh with magnuson how he was holding everybody up pretty much mm-hmm. um and you know it was uh everybody was in the train behind him and then once they they cleared him they just all checked out uh but hulkenberg was unlucky along with a couple of others um you know defries being another that they boxed one lap before the safety car came out mm-hmm. for Russell's crash. And so then everybody else got a free pit stop. So Hulkenberg, who was going along quite happily in the top 10, then all of a sudden got shuffled down to, I think, like 16th. And yeah. again, in that train, everybody at the same pace, it's, yeah, what can you do? You know, it's just one yeah. of those things. It's really tough. Really, really tough. Um, well, I think that sort of loosely wraps up um, mm. the Canada GP. But you know me, Richard. I like to, uh, while you're here, I think I'm going to squeeze squeeze every second that we can out of you. And I thought today, uh, last time I was with you, we did we built the ultimate driver for braking, defending, driving in the wet, that kind of thing. And today, uh, I think it'd be really interesting to talk about the different tracks that we have on the circuit. Um, and rather than just talking about them, I've made it into a game. Of course oh, of I have. Course. You know I love a game. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to go through... Um, together amateur versus professional <laughs> and then we can kind of have a discussion because you know you will have driven so many of these yeah. tracks it'll be interesting to see what it's like whereas i've driven them on f1 2022 so it's not quite the same <laughs> on a little controller at home on a small telly yeah. uh, but we're going to go through the what we think our hardest track is mm. the easiest track now look none of them are easy but easier maybe the track that you'd be most scared to drive on the track that we think is the most fun one track that we would bring back onto the calendar and the last one, what we would replace that with, what track would we bin off and never have uh, driven on F1 again. So I'm just throwing this at you now. So let's do it. Um, I'm going to go first. The track I think would be hardest to drive for me 
would be Suzuka with those S bends and the the famous 130R corner that's like flat out of like 190. The track just looks so 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 difficult. Uh, it's it's uh, it's incredible. I've been fortunate enough. A lot of my junior career was done in Japan, so I've done thousands of laps at Suzuka in all types of cars and conditions. Nice. And, you know, I've, uh, in terms of, it's, it's extremely intimidating. Mm. And the thing is with Suzuka is it's massively high speed and the walls are all incredibly close. And so when it goes wrong there, it goes very, mm. very wrong. I've been on the end of that. Um, a very good buddy of mine at the minute is coming out of hospital because he had a crash there a couple of weeks ago. Oh my God, guy, is he okay? A guy called Sugo Matsuda. He, um, I won my first World Endurance Championship race with him. Um, he was okay, but he, you know, just a few injuries. They need to check him over. So... Get well soon, Sugio. I uh, yeah. hope you're all good. Um, God bless him. But no, apart from that, it's it's a proper challenge. And the driver really can make a difference there mm -hmm. because it really is the amount of commitment and the precision, putting the, the needle through the haystack. So, yeah, hardest I'm... I'm pretty. I'm pretty on board with that. Suzuka. Oh, you're going for I think, Suzuka too. I think I'm going for Suzuka. Yeah. Whoa! Here we go. All right, we're together on yeah. one, which is fun. Uh, <laughs> look, now the next one is we're just setting ourselves up for hate, really. But let's talk about what we think maybe it would be the easiest track. Uh, maybe let's say currently on the F1 grid to drive. I've gone for the Austrian Grand Prix because I think, well, there's only yeah. 10 turns, essentially. So there's there's yeah. less of that to be worrying about. It's not incredibly quick. And with it not being a street circuit, if you go wide or run wide, you're not just sticking it straight into a wall. Mm. Uh, so I would say the Austrian. What about you? What I'm, are you I'm actually going to be on board with that as well. I'm going to go Whoa. Austria. But the, I mean, because you're right. And I, again, I've driven Austria loads of times and... It is uh, it is a very easy circuit because obviously there's not that many corners. You have got the runoff, but this there's also something which makes it a bit difficult is because it is such a short lap and it's relatively simple. All the drivers are incredibly close there, and so it means that the tiniest little difference can mean like five places. That's so Whereas if you're at somewhere like say Suzuka or Silverstone, where it's quite a hard circuit, the gaps between the drivers are much bigger. So because it's because it's relatively easy, it's actually very difficult to make those gains. But yes, in, in terms of doing a time attack or a pure driving thing, then yeah, I'd yeah. go with Austria. So you made such a good point with it being such a shorter circuit. Ultimately, the cars are going to be bunched up more. Exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, all right, let's get into uh, the drama. <laughs> track, in a, it's probably not going to be quite the same for you, but, mm. but from an amateur's point of view, the track uh, that you'd be most scared of driving. Mm. Now, I've gone for Spa. Uh, simply, almost simply because of a, a, a Senna quote, <laughs> but they talk about the Eau Rouge corner. Uh, the, the, I think it's t turns three, four and five, is it? I forget off the top of my head, but where you, you're coming up the hill and you go basically blindly <laughs> into a kinda a corner at like you know 185 miles an hour or whatever often in the rain or the fog and you don't know what's there and the the quote the incentive quote which I love uh, he said if you're uh, if you're not afraid of Eau Rouge you're not going fast enough and I love that quote <laughs> <laughs> I mean honestly like again spars the track I've driven lots of times you can't describe Eau Rouge like you literally see sky when you're half when you're going up <laughs> oh, it you God. honestly just see the sky and you just kind of hope that the track's still there when you finished and the first time you drive it you actually get compression g and you don't feel that anywhere because you compression g you get, talk to me about what compression that is. g it's effectively the same thing that the astronauts get when a rocket takes off it's because you're accelerating so quickly upwards because the oh hill's so steep that you're being pushed down into the car Jesus. and you actually feel that the first time and it's the weirdest sensation yeah once you've done it you know four or five times you expect it it's fine but the first time you do that corner it's very hard to do it flat because you're like whoa whoa this Jesus. is this is a bit weird yeah but, must be but yeah it's a very 
proper corner that do you have another track that you would maybe be more yeah. scared of yeah there's one which to be honest uh, i haven't driven this one and i did a lot of work on the formula one calendar last year so mm -hmm. i walked most of the circuits and the one i don't ever really want to drive is Jeddah. Jeddah oh, for me interesting why Jeddah is frightening honestly with the the speeds that they have there and you are literally blind around every corner wow. and the the walls the proximity of the walls it's not good and you know there was a driver in formula two i was helping there last year um jem bollock bassi and he ended up crashing in uh, in practice and they took him straight to the medical center and he got knocked out and you know oh when i God. came in he couldn't remember where he was or anything i went into the medical center then i went to the hospital with him and i just thought to myself after that i thought yeah i'm not not interested in driving this place yeah i mean honest. that would sh shake you up wouldn't yeah. it um God, wow. Okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, it is so tight. Yeah. So, so tight. And did you say so quick Massively around Massively high speed. Massively high speed. Yeah, good Good pick. Good, good, good <laughs> pick. Um, oh, I've put, I've, I've actually put most fun as Jeddah, but I actually think that's most scared. I'll swap them around. Uh, well, that brings us on to the, the track that would be the most fun to drive around. And again, I'm coming from a very amateur point of view, um, but I'm going for Silverstone. There's just, so, I mean, there's yeah. so much wheel-to-wheel -wheel action. Um, there's like six different places that you can overtake. The history of the place. I mean, I'd be driving around going, <laughs> I'm driving at Silverstone. <laughs> what is going on? Um, and I just think that would be just, I mean, what, what, an, ex what an experience driving around them. Arguably the most historic track. Yeah, I mean, so Silverstone in any car, especially when you get into a high-performance, high-downforce car. Like, you know, and when you get told that you're going to do the qualifying simulation or something like that, and you've got one lap, new tyres, low fuel, max power. Oh, you just... <laughs> like your eyes are on stalks <laughs> and you still every time you do it even when you're used to a car you get blown away at how fast that yeah. place is uh maggots and beckett's so yeah prob exactly probably in terms of driving yeah i'd agree with you silverstone but i'm gonna look at it in a, in a different way because okay. i'm gonna look at it in most fun to race at and for me a track which i love racing at um is bahrain Oh, nice. I love the, the race craft at Bahrain in any category is always mega. It's always a good race. You know, you remember Lewis versus Rosberg in, I think it was 2016. Yeah. That they had that massive year. battle. Every year, Bahrain's a good race. Yeah. So, no, I'm going to go for that. Interesting. And there's, Bahrain is quite high deck, isn't it's it, It's massively well? high deck. It's, it's, not the, it's not the most fun circuit to drive, you know. If I had to go and do three days of private testing at Bahrain, it's just, you know, it's okay. Um, but in terms of race craft, it's always a great race. There. So interesting. So if you're going and you're racing, yeah. amazing. But if you're just going to test a car, you're just thinking, oh, God, here we go. Well, you never think, oh, God, when you get to go and test a car, you know. <laughs> you kind of always do a bit of that because you're a lucky person. But, sure. but yes, there's other places you'd prefer. Very, very interesting. Yeah. Okay, nice. Um, okay, let's get into now... I've just put you on the board of the FIA. Congratulations. You've got a new job oh, there. Oh, joy. Um, yeah, yeah. Politics galore. A world of pain. Um, and you have to bring back a track that once upon a time was on the F1 circuit, but currently isn't. Um, the question is, what track are you going to bring back? I, I would go for, to be honest, either of the German Grand Prix, mm. uh, Hockenheim or the Nürburgring. I just think they're great. We've always seen good battles there. And I mean, we we'd never actually do it, but can you imagine, you know, a Red Bull going around the 13-mile circuit of the Nürburgring? <laughs> I mean, it's the Nordschleife, like the, um, the categories of cars that I race and they actually have a championship which races on the Nordschleife. So I have a lot of friends who are wow. involved in it and everything and I'm starting to look into it a bit myself. And it's completely oh, tell bonkers. me about that. 
it's well that's the thing you actually need a special license to be able to race around there because they need to make sure that you can remember the circuit but it's the most crazy thing the most crazy place ever how they ever race formula one cars there in the first place i don't know i mean other places were crazy but this place is insane so we have to do a special license to make sure you can remember all 176 corners oh my god (laughs) and you know everyone forgets then one of the straights is like three kilometers long you know that the place is completely wild completely and beautiful and beautiful and again if, to be honest, the 24 hours of Nürburgring is one of the best parties in Europe as well. Oh, I bet. It's a great race to go have watch you, have, as a have, have you driven it? Or I haven't, I haven't been, been? To, I haven't driven it or been there, but I've got mates who have, and I've seen okay. the pictures and videos. It looks awesome. Let's go next year. We're going, <laughs> mate. We're going. Um, what, what track are you bringing back? I would say... I'm going to be torn. I'm going to I'm going to go for two. I'm going to go with one for sentimentality reasons. Mm-hmm. I like Shanghai. Mm-hmm. Um, I spent a lot of my life in the Far East, and I lived in China for three years before COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, so my de facto local circuit. Nice. Um, but another one which I drove at the beginning of this year and was always great racing, Istanbul. Yes. And Istanbul was realistic to return as well. There's discussions about it every year, and I think we are going to see it come back. Uh, but it was just, every year was a great race. Yeah, correct. Every year. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you, yeah. Remember the, you remember the Vettel-Weber crashes in 2011, but then, of course, when they had the race there in 2020 and Lance Stroll, I think he either qualified pole or second, and it was the wet-drying race. Lewis yeah. put on a masterclass. Yeah. Excellent circuit. Yeah, very, very, very good picks. Mm. But because you're on the board at the FIA... Uh. You- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you'll be sat next year probably for, you know, something. Um, you've got to bin off a current track that is on the circuit so you've got to bring in shanghai or istanbul you have to bin off something that's currently on the circuit um for me i'm binning off and i'm gonna i'm i'll tell you the one i'm not binning off but i was very close to binning off and we would have got a lot of hate if i had (laughs) is monaco i'm not doing i'm keeping monaco (laughs) keep your hat on i'm keeping monaco simply for historic reasons uh the saturday of monaco is always brilliant The Sunday in Monaco is almost always a snooze fest. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's basically there out of historic reasons. Not yeah, the, cars are too, the cars are too big and the track is too small yeah. at this point. If they made smaller cars, it might be more interesting or whatever. What are your views generally on Monaco? I think the thing is with Monaco is, is again, the history is nice and, and it's also a really good event. I've said this in one of the podcasts before that it's probably one of my favourite Grand Prix to go to as a spectator. Mm. Um but you're right. Like I was there last year and I was in the pit lane watching the F1 um, because you can watch the swimming pool section from, from the back there. Oh, wow. And they're just too big. Like you look at the size of the cars and the size of the track and you just think, how on earth can they do anything? Yeah. I mean, honestly, if they made Monaco literally twice as big as they just blew it up, I think it'd be mega. Yeah. I think it'd be a great track then. Yeah. But yeah, but you have to keep it there for the sentimentality. You know, we're spoiled with 23 races. I can put up with one snooze fest for, for those sentimental reasons. Yeah, I agree. If we were down to sort of 12 races a year or something, I'd yeah. be disappointed with the Monaco. But no, we're keeping Monaco. <laughs> so don't come at me. Uh, the one I am bidding off though, with no shame whatsoever, is Miami. Mm. Uh, I just, particularly this year, look, it had 60 overtakes at the time. It was the highest overtaking uh, race up until that point of the year. But it was still essentially quite dull. And I think that kind of showed that as F1 fans, we don't necessarily want overtaking. We want good quality driving. Exactly. Like yesterday, between that battle between Alonso and Hamilton at Canada, they didn't overtake each other a huge amount, but they were battling. Exactly. They were fighting. They were driving. And for me, 
Canada, um, excuse me, Miami just didn't have enough of that. Max, it was so easy from ninth to first. I mean, here we go. Is he overtaking somebody? Yeah, no problem. Oh, okay, good. This is fun. <laughs> I just, and the way that Canada's set up and it's basically, and we've got Vegas coming in yep. this year and I think Vegas is just going to be a much better Miami. See you later, Miami. You're in the bin. Yeah, I, I to be honest, I'm kind of I'm kind of agreeing with that. But I've also, the other one I, I'd like to see go, to be honest, is Jeddah. I'm not a fan of Jeddah. Wow. I, I think it's the tracks. Uh, the tracks great and everything, but I didn't like going to the. I didn't like going to the event, and I think that the circuit is. I, I just don't think it's a, a really great circuit. To be perfectly honest and with I you, s- I think it's a challenge. There's no question about that. But I think they basically tried to make a man-made version of Baku because Baku was so good when it came in. And the thing is, it's a lot like with Macau, the the Formula Three World Championship street circuit. It's when these tracks have a natural topography and they're born naturally, they make a lot more sense in the way the roads go. When you try and man-make them, mm. there's always things there which don't really work correctly. So yeah, I'd get rid of Jeddah. Yeah, I mean, and, and and that buys into what you're saying about that's the track that's sort of the scariest to drive. You have yeah. a mate who's just injured himself. I mean, it kind of all it buys into each other. Look, let's just run through uh, your set of choices Ooh. that we've gone. So the hardest track, we both agreed, uh, Suzuka, those S-bends. Yeah. But a great, hard, but great. Fantastic. Circuit. Love it. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, easiest, we both agreed, I think, again, and went for uh, Austria. Austria. Uh, the track that uh, you were sort of most scared of driving, we just talked about, is Jeddah. And I said, what did I say? Uh, oh, Spa, Spa with the yeah, O-Rouge. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God, yeah. I, I stand by that. <laughs> the idea of going 190 miles down. You were saying you were, like you were in a rocket ship, essentially going up. Yeah. Not for me, thank you. Uh, I'll do it on my Xbox. Um, the most fun you've gone for Bahrain. And I actually love that mm. with the height, particularly in under racing conditions. Yeah, just the racing awesome. conditions. It's just awesome. I've gone for Silverstone just because, you know. Yeah. It's Silverstone. Um, you are bringing back Shanghai or Istanbul. If you had to pick between Shanghai or Istanbul, you can only pick one. Which one are you bringing back? Uh, Istanbul. Istanbul. Nice. Istanbul, definitely. Yeah. Shanghai is more emotional connection. Yeah, it's more emotional connection. But, you know, Istanbul is a guaranteed good race. Every year it is. Yeah. Love that. Uh, and I was uh, bringing back either of the Germans, but probably the the, sh- the cut-down version of the Nürburgring I'd yeah. go for. Uh, and you're binning off Jeddah, and I'm binning off Miami. And if we have to bin off another one, then Monaco's gone as well. Um, <laughs> Richard, brilliant. Thank you so much um, no, for pleasure. your time today, mate. Um, as I said, I still am very, very keen to do an episode with you because from a personal point of view, what I'm so fascinated about is the idea of how at eight years old you go, this is going to be my life's work and I have to commit to it at eight years old because you come much later it's almost it's it's like everything everybody always there's whenever you see like these these jobs like be it a footballer be it a racing driver everybody only looks at the outside of it but the actual stuff that goes into it it's 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 quite an interesting story yeah mate well look we need to do a whole episode on that um because it's just gonna be absolutely fascinating (laughs) how you how you become a professional driver you think how many people in the world would love to be an f1 driver professional driver le mans driver IndyCar, however it is Mm. you know there's probably what 100 top drivers in the world 150 yeah, driving at the top yeah, level if that, to be perfectly it's honest. tiny yeah. and there's millions that want to do it and I want to know Richard how do you <laughs> how do you do it mate how have you done that brilliant thanks uh, Richard well look for now uh, that is this episode of the On Track GP podcast wrapped up now don't forget I know it's been going on for a while but we have still got it's heavy the PS5 there's definitely one in there that's the most exercise I've done today uh, we have still got the PS5 uh, you can head over to our Instagram to uh, check out all the details of how you can win that. We're going to be closing that uh, very, very shortly. But for now, uh, please smash up the like, subscribe, and we will see you for the next episode. Thanks very much. Thank you.
Competition time again, and here is a chance to win a brand new PS5. All you gotta do is subscribe to OnTrackGP on YouTube. Also follow us on Instagram at OnTrackGP. Make sure you like the competition post, it's pinned on Instagram as well. You can win yourself this right now. What are you waiting for? Can I enter, or can I have a go? <laughs> no. <laughs>